Greetings and welcome to the Space Cave. I'm David Huntsberger. A big warg to all of you. And if you're in Los Angeles, a quick reminder that the Junk Show is this Sunday. I will not be there, but it'll be guest hosted by my good friend Doug Mellard. And the lineup is all my pals from Austin, Texas. So you can come see a bunch of funny Austin folks at the Copper Still in Los Angeles Sunday night at 8 p.m. Okay, let's get into it with some hardcore chatting. This gentleman is a good friend of mine and we typically see each other nearly once a week for a little thing we call two daves which you'll hear us talk about at the end of this discussion he is i feel like the most uh prolific and productive artist i've ever known it's stunning to see how he works it's even better to see that his work is gaining traction and, and notoriety and and that it's working, that he's an actual working artist, making a living, doing what he loves. And he holds up in his studio and just draws for weeks at a time. I don't know that he sleeps. If you look at his work, you'll be blown away. If you watch The Meltdown Show or you're just familiar with that comedy show, he did all the posters for that. That's one a week for like six years. And since then, he's done stuff for... The Foo Fighters and Queens of the Stone Age and the band Sleep and is right now working on a thing for Primus. And it's just incredible to see these huge bands, very well-known institutions, so to speak, bands that have been around forever that everyone knows. Just your average person that maybe not even listens to that music. Oh, yeah, I've heard of them. That's pretty big, playing arenas and stadiums. And when you leave to go get a little piece of merchandise on the way out, my friend Dave will have drawn it colored it maybe not screened it completely he's he's started farming that out because he's so busy which is where you want to get to he's done murals he's just an artist though he'll never admit that as you'll hear in the discussion um if you get a chance to or you're on instagram or the internet at large just search dave clock k-l-o-c and be mesmerized and blown away and really wonder if he has somehow made a deal with the devil to have more time in the day because when you see how intricate and detailed all these drawings are and that he churns them out so regularly you just wonder how he has time to come do things like podcast or even sleep it's amazing he's the best i hope you like this chat here's part one with my buddy dave clock gonna crack it open oh yeah not a sample (laughs) no that's real that's live foley work that's, that's a sample. Yeah. <laughs> there was nothing in that bottle. <laughs> <laughs> that's some Mermaid's Red Amber Ale from Coronado Brewing. Going into my Brett Kern mug. <laughs> Do you have half? No, I, but I have a, a good amount. So I always leave a little. Your, the rest is all yours if you oh. want it. I we'll get, see. Okay, and we've got more of, we've got other options we can open up if you're so dry or crappy. (laughs) You passed up that option already. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Saving it for later. The dry one could be good, maybe. I mean, they, it was, the can itself was like $6. One can? Mm -hmm. Is it huge? It's a little bigger. It's like 16 ounces or something. Uh Uh-uh. Nah. I mean, I guess at a bar, a $6 pint is a deal. Right. The guy at the liquor store, I asked him like, what's going on here? It's from a part of the world that I can't believe they're even trying to distribute from. Tiny little area, Tehachapi. What state? <clears throat> right up north here in California. Oh. Right up in the uh, Sierras. And he was saying that uh, the double, whatever it said on there, double dry hopped or whatever, just a lot of ingredients. And that is why that it's potentially more expensive. But I, I don't like seeing beer go the same way as wine, where it gets into like, this is a $50 bottle of beer. I'm like, Well, no thanks then. Yeah. <laughs> Well, my favorite kind of beer is cold beer. Yeah, you've mentioned that many yeah. a time, which I feel like I feel like your Midwestern humility prohibits you from like 
from really getting into stuff that would be considered uh, pretentious or... Sure. Yeah. But that's okay, right? I don't know. Does it... I, I'm the guy who's always able to have beer. Mm-hmm. Because those are my preferences, cold beer. Yeah. Uh, and that's the guy I want to be. But you, I mean, do you think you'll get to a place where someone goes, hey, there's cold beer over there in that cooler, and you open it up and see Keystone Light and have some reaction? Is it? Oh, no, a- I'm not excited about Keystone Light ever. But do you open that cooler and just go, huh, well, and open it up? Or do you open it and go, I don't feel like drinking beer? No, I'll take it. You'll take it. Okay. When you're in the mood for cold <laughs> beer, that's literally all you really want. Yeah, I'm trying to think what I would do in that situation. Think about an afternoon of screen printing and you're sweating and you couldn't stop to get anything to drink because your screen was blocking up. Yeah. And then you finish your run and you're like, I want cold beer. And there's a shiny, dripping Keystone light that's like got its own light source coming out of it. And you're just like, well, I don't like Keystone. (laughs) No, you go and you drink it. Honestly, my initial foray into beer drinking was when I worked on this ranch in such hot conditions unbearable like near death valley 100 degrees plus Mm -hmm. and the the foreman or my boss would pack a few beers along they wouldn't even be that cold but just at the end of the day riding along you've been on your horse all day and just like layers on layers of sweat that gross yeah feeling on your skin you're like i've just been sweating on top of dirt and and salt yeah and then the feeling then of just something that wasn't water is kind of nice and yep. so watery beer is almost better at that point absolutely so i but i think that now i don't really work that hard physically mm-hmm. like i did a while ago i was up in the mountains digging and moving rocks around and stuff and it my whole body like hurt I right was just like oh yeah i don't do this as much anymore and i'm just a softy but i remember that's where you want beer when you've like f- when you really earned it and or yeah that that it's got the light source glowing out of it because right. you're conditions for screen printing a lot of times are are pretty like muggy and right so you're you're a sweaty mess. it's an oasis in a can yeah but what i do what i've done these days which is mostly just drawing mm-hmm. is the least amount of physically earned beer <laughs> that's the the worst way you can spend a day to then have a beer at the end of it you mm-hmm. just sit and draw because like i'll drink i try to drink like a gallon of water today when i'm drawing yeah and then I'll I'll be like I did it I finished my drawing I'm gonna have a beer. <laughs> it's just like I don't deserve this. It's just like putting a cold beer on top of a belly full of water mm-hmm. after not moving for anything except to refill the water. <laughs> I don't know. That's low. That is. I I had this feeling for a brief because now you know like Anheuser Busch and all those things are. They one are slowly dipping out their own like this is a wheat ale or something. They're mm-hmm. trying to they're trying to get in some of that market. But they also their first move was like a political ad to just slam craft brewing and microbreweries. <laughs> just like, if you don't want fruit in your beer, right. you're a man. And people I Sam think Elliott. bristled. Yeah, just a little like oh, come on. I'm yeah, like, oh, it's not so bad to have. A, a beer that's like handmade, you know. Right. And then, but a lot of those handmade beers, so many calories, so heavy. And for me, I think it's just replaced desserts. Like at the end of the day, if I've even if I've done nothing, mm-hmm. I'm like oh, I'd like to have a beer. It's a treat. It's not something that comes from that same place of like, oh, I've been on the oil rig all day. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is gonna really do a lot of things to the dopamine in my brain. I don't really get that. So maybe I'm too hard on those guys that I feel like there was a there was a guy one time when I was doing production work, got in the truck and or the van. There's like eight of us in this van driving along and. Someone brought up beer and he goes, hey, I'm like you guys. I like Bud Light or whatever. I'm not better than nobody. That kind of thing. And I was yeah. like, you don't have to make these, like, as if he, if he drank something else, it would be this whole thing of, I'm better than you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I see where he's coming from. I wouldn't have phrased it the same way, mm-hmm. but like, I'm like, I'm not going to pass up the keystone. Yeah. No, I'll I, try to appreciate everything that's handed to me, but I definitely don't like walk towards that end mm-hmm. of the beer aisle you know this like this cascade of like you've got your working guy beers and then your <laughs> yeah like, push up your glasses beers yeah i never want those fancy beers really they don't seem any better to me oh i i guess just uh i don't know if it was when i was in college you know i went to school in fort collins where New Belgium was, mm-hmm. and then but Odell's is there also, which is really great beer. And then like Left Hand Brewing was near there, and so 
I remember the first time I got, I thought I was, I was so psyched because I had a fake ID and I could just buy beer, the concept right. of beer. And this guy, very Colorado looking dude with like a fleece, uh, I was giving him a ride to a party and he jumped in. He was an older guy. Like seemed like when someone's two years older than you in college, oh, right. it feels like he was 23. Yeah. Yeah. Seemed like he was 58. Right. Right. And he jumped in the, in my truck and was like, Hey man, have you had fat tire yet? And I go. what is that and he was like and then we got to where we were going and he reached in his little kind of cooler that he'd brought and Mm -hmm. pulled out a beer and then pulled out his Colorado Keys that of course had a bottle opener and and then handed it to me and went welcome to Colorado oh my god that's kind of cool (laughs) it turned out it was the mayor (laughs) (laughs) he skateboarded away right (laughs) but it did make me feel like I like when local places have a thing that they're proud of that they've made and so when I look at that edge of the aisle that's what I see I don't see like the guy going oh is this locally sourced even though I I think we both grew up with like 80s movies where there's your hero character and then there's their older brother who shows up with loud music from the BMW right Val Kilmer yeah yeah and you just uh, there's sunglasses up on their head and you're like I hate this guy yeah and that's kind of what that beer in a lot of ways does parallel I guess but I try to I try to think of it more from like the handmade aspect, mm-hmm. which I would think as a screen printer would be more in your wheelhouse. It just seems like the expensive stuff that doesn't work any better. Ah, but ah, to push back again, <laughs> 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 I think of it as like going to Kinko's and just getting a bunch of like quickly printed off copies and be like, uh-huh. here, I have a poster. And then you being like, but I... I made eight different films and there's so many different colors and I pulled each of them and I mixed all the ink and, and that this well, poster is just use, a poster. To use your analogy, posters are meant for advertising. So the quantity is the important part. Mm-hmm. So but, you're going to want a thousand of them rather than just like go to Kinko's and be like, just give me five posters on the nicest cardstock you've got. Yeah. Well, advertising in a way that's like, because you go to a show and you buy, they only have a hundred posters. So there's a limited availability. You're treading in these same waters that these beers yeah. are. Like what you deal in is you make a craft poster and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you do is- Oh, like, my mic turned. <laughs> don't you scamper out of here, Dave. <laughs> uh, yeah, boy, that really, he just vaporized. Yeah. That's the, all of a sudden, just dust. Yeah. Whoa. My hat's spinning. <laughs> uh, when I first started printing stuff, it very quickly to me was like, oh, I think the first people that did this couldn't afford Kinko's. And they just right. went, what, what is it? $5 a copy? I bet I can get some ink and figure out a way to get it on there repeatedly, like yeah. a newspaper print, like, you know, like a press and then now it's it, it is that, but it's so much. It is the more craft beer side of things, as yeah. we've. Uh, your witness, your honor. <laughs> I just learned that lowercase and uppercase are literally typesetter terms for where you keep each of those. Oh, letters. that makes sense. Yeah. Did you watch Deadwood? Uh, I tried. I oh. couldn't understand it. <laughs> yeah, the language is a little. Yeah. But there's the you see the old the guy the who is the bad guy from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The principal? Oh, yeah. He's the newspaper guy there. He's a bad guy in real life. Yeah. Isn't he like a pedophile guy? Jeffrey Jones. Is he a pedophile guy? Yes, he's a pedophile guy. Oh, gosh. Jeffrey Jones? I don't know. I think it's Jeffrey Jones. Also, Beetlejuice. Yeah, yeah. And Ravenous. Haven't seen Ravenous. It's really good. Um, But anyway, what I'm getting at is... Did it start at a place of... uh, being the, the friendly, like, every man kind of print. Hey, you can do it. You can have prints that are nice. Screen then, printing? Yeah. Do you know, are you, I mean, you're a, a fan of the, the genre. You study it. Yeah, but I didn't really learn much about the history. I oh. like the people who've done it for a while. Mm-hmm. And for a while, I mean, a few centuries. Yeah. And the decades. But I don't know. I learned it all after school. After art school. Yeah, we talked about that on Professor Blastoff when yeah. you were our guest. Which was last week, right? <laughs> that was just right <laughs> around the corner. I remember Tig said that you looked like a cat. Yeah. I remember going like, oh, we've talked about screen printing too long. <laughs> <laughs> but it seemed like we hadn't really gotten into it because it's kind of a complicated process with the yeah, emulsion and all that stuff. But I'm more interested in you as the, because uh, we never cat? talk about that. <laughs> you as a cat. <laughs> the The... 
because you're an easygoing guy, but the stuff you make is so in depth and involved. And like, I remember one of our first conversations, kind of when we were first meeting, was that you didn't, you weren't an artist. And I'm not. Like, you're an artist. You're like, no, nah, I'm an illustrator and a screen printer, which yeah. I felt like again was a very Midwestern way to sort of deflect the uh, the pretension that comes along with. I guess what I was trying to say in this piece, right? And you don't want anything to do with that. The, that's what I learned from art school was that I'm not an artist. But was that because the kid in the scarf and different colored shoes and paint all over his pants or whatever, just the person you think of as quintessentially artsy was bothersome to you? Yeah. (laughs) So that was, you just saw that like, that's not for me. Yeah. Yeah, basically. I mean, I've never felt like I was an artist. And even when I started to make what people would call art, Uh I was like, I'm no, I'm no different. Uh So I just kept going with that. It's the cold beer of answers to that question. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I think there's something there, though. I mean, it it uh, it's fascinating to me, like the psyche where, because sometimes people become a certain way and you feel like it's an affectation to a certain degree. Everyone is that, though. Yeah. Like, you can't determine if you talk the way you talk even if because like, oh, my dad talked that way or my cousin or so-and-so. You know, you just like the way that they said one specific thing. Or yeah. maybe when they laughed, they went... <laughs> You can change those things. Yeah. You but you and you can adopt them and adapt them to your life where suddenly you're someone who does all those things. Right. So it seems like that was maybe a fork in the road. Because I I, when I I think what we were talking about before is that when I see your art, I feel like you're saying something, but you're saying it strictly through the work. That's just a benefit of doing something interesting. Mm -hmm. If you do something interesting, someone will look at it long enough to develop their own opinion. Yeah. And be like, this reminds me of when I was nine and like I had a snake on my foot. (laughs) And it's like, great. That's your experience. I mean, I would guess that when a lot of people look at your stuff, that's the first thought they have is, where did that come from? Right. Songwriters get that all the time. I don't know. Just just had to that's how it had to go together jokes go that way in comedy but they are really compelling when i see your work like why in the hell and then looking sometimes at your work when you like certain lines more than others yeah that always baffles me that it's the drawing like it's the work itself like i just want this line to go here because it feels right yeah that's so weird but how much of a difference is like you can't have both yeah you know it's like i'm all this felt good. Like that looks right, rather than like, what's this gonna say? <laughs> like, yeah, I like, mean, but the overall concept does that come from a place of what's this gonna say? Maybe sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I'm doing a poster for literally the band that got me into music as a kid, Primus. Wow. And I've had. 20 years to think about what to do mm-hmm. i don't know i just thought of something yesterday morning and started and then i would guess that a lot of self-help for artists books or motivation things involve how to get from that point to that point how to take the idea be committed to it do like do the deadlines help what helps you go like oh sweet thought of a primus idea and the next thing you know you've got like an 18 by 24 yeah. sketched out uh, I think just practice. It is always tough starting. It gets easier, but it never gets beyond tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do so few things. And when I do, I'm every step of the way is difficult for me. Yeah. I'm second guessing and just constantly going like, I'm not good enough to do this. I don't practice this enough. And you really like th- that's supposed to be the part. Every time you do it, you're building that muscle up. But yeah. I let my atrophy repeatedly. Uh, the only time I ever clean anything is right before I start inking. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, pencil, can't ruin it with pencil. <laughs> and then I see these pens and I'm like, that's the next step. Oh, look, there's dust on that. <laughs> I'm going to go spend 14 hours cleaning. So you do have those moments that <clears throat> kind of everybody does of, why am I really aggressively scrubbing out this thing or organizing right. this or just sitting on the couch watching TV or whatever it is that you beat yourself up of. And I think I probably am more on the same vein that you do which is like as long as i'm productive doing something exactly then then it doesn't matter that i'm not drawing as long yeah. as i'm not just sitting there i won't regret organizing all my stuff mm-hmm. so then when you go to the pen but even with photoshop and stuff are there all these catches and get outs that allow you to be like well i can start inking because that's even still not the not the end it takes it takes the it lowers the stakes mm-hmm. you know like 
people are like, I can't believe you used pens. Like, I get so nervous. I'm like, you could drop the pen in the middle and just cover over it. <laughs> there is no way to screw up a print. Yeah. You can <clears> so always fix stuff. Do you, And you don't have... I've been over to your space a number of times. You don't have like a lot of motivational things there that say those kind of things. That'd be hilarious. I consider all the art on my wall <clears throat> motivation. In, in all the different ways that you can... Be, like is it so it's not all perfection just on your wall that intimidates you it's all answers to questions that come up really like like oh i have so much text i need to put on something how do i figure that out oh here's an example or like even if it's not like like one of my favorite artists is jay ryan he every print he's ever done <clears throat> is an answer to a question i've had as a printer uh-huh. so i'll look at just the same jay ryan print and be like oh i remember that one time jay you know, did this or this. And it's like, that's all it takes. Like a quick conversation between me and the print, you know, or like, Mm -hmm. how should I shade this? I'm really sick of the way I've been shading eyes. And it's like, Oh, you know, John Baisley did this. I'm looking at it right there. And it's like, Oh, he really like does a lot of like stuff like Pusshead. I'm like, Oh, Pusshead did this one thing. I'll do it like Pusshead. Mm -hmm. Or it's like, I accidentally drew something last week that looked like this and it didn't get used for anything. I'm going to, but I like the way I did this. So on the next, poster i do i'm just gonna ask for someone like i had a job that was i did four rounds of drawing old antique roses and it got rejected but by the end of that i was like i like drawing roses now (laughs) so the next poster i did i was like how about just 18 by 24 of like 150 roses i was like all right and i'm like great i'm in the zone with those get it going what's the concept nothing (laughs) as a sports guy a hockey guy you know a lot of times they Tell sports people to f- take your weakness, make it into a strength, uh-huh. and that sounds like what the roses thing was. Yeah, is that I, <clears throat> if I were a, a historian, or I always love when someone has dedicated their entire personage to knowing whatever that is. So obviously, a lot of people into music, but you could go through and pick out. Now here's what's interesting about early whatever punk rock or right. disco. You know, people would lump it together and be like. This album, you talking about the artists that you recognize, and they're probably doing the same thing with you. There start to be almost in the same way, like anthropologists or something could look through and like this was a common thing during the mid two thousands, the teens. For sure, I think right now what you see is a lot of um, just the availability of nice computer equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, I like when I went to art school. We all were required to get a laptop. That was my first ever laptop for sure. Mm-hmm. And it was a Mac. I had never touched a Mac ever. Mm-hmm. And I all of a sudden I had to get one for freshman year. Yeah. And it's like, I'm sure now all these kids have Cintiqs, mm-hmm. you know, and tablets. It's like, I got my last tablet within the last year and I'm still getting used to it. Yeah. But like, I see all these young printers just like churning stuff out that looks so crisp and so clean, but have no drawings. Yeah. You know? Is there a purist part of you or do you try to like remove all that? I try to not mind it because I know (laughs) that I'll get to a point where I need to be good at it Mm -hmm. and I'll like be jealous of some 23 year old kid who's like, I only live by the Cintiq and I'm like, teach me. (laughs) But I just found a kid who is a kid. He's 20. Mm -hmm. He's in art school and he is top 10 illustrator. Really? And he just started screen printing. And I wrote him, I, I bought some of his work. He has like a website with like two prints on it and they're clearly homework. Mm-hmm. And I bought one. It was three of 15 mm-hmm. and he sent it to me in the most fragile de- dented tube. <laughs> and like when I got it, I was like, Ooh, I hope this isn't that print I ordered. <laughs> <laughs> and when I got it, it was super fucked up. And, uh, had he taken like a tube from, holiday wrapping paper or something and cut that and sent it or like he, an old um paper towel sleeve. <laughs> basically he had, he had gone clearly had gone to the post office with the print and said help me wrap this yeah and whoever helped him was in a rush so it was bent mm-hmm. in several places and like i couldn't tell what <laughs> where it wasn't bent oh. and so i wrote him and i was like hey man i don't want another one i don't want my money back I just want you to know, like, your work's too good to be shipping. Like, you ship. Here's how to ship stuff. Mm-hmm. Here's where to buy bubble wrap. Here's where to buy this and this. And he just wrote back, like, dude, I had no idea that there was better ways to do this. Like, <laughs> thank you so much. And he went and sent me, like, a shit ton more stuff. 
Cool. And I've just been like a hawk watching him do stuff now. Yeah. Like a mama bird kind of. Like a mama bird. Like a Mrs. Havisham. <laughs> uh, he's so good. His name's Calvin Lituri. I don't think I ever said it out loud. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's What's, bananas. I like how it kind of lights you up a little bit to get excited about that. If you saw it, you'd be the same way. I love stuff like that. I think it's so rare that one that artists, I, I talk about that all the time with comedian friends. Like animators are very much like the artists are where they go, look at this, this is so cool. Comedy people watch stuff and it's very rare. Someone goes, have you seen this? Oh, it's amazing. Have you mm-hmm. seen so-and-so do this? Otherwise it's like, yeah, always like chipping down, or finding sure. fault with things. Cause that's in a certain sense, the nature of doing comedy is finding fault with, you know, or finding little fissures or something like that but i like that did someone reach down to you when you started off is there anyone that reached back and said hey i like you keep an eye on you um i'm gonna have a sham you i've reached out to people people have always been nice mm-hmm. um god i don't want to be forgetting someone if the answer is yes like i got an email out of the blue from nick swardson mm-hmm. which was the coolest thing to me i just thought that was it was someone I knew of, like thought was hilarious. His first half hour special on Comedy Central I'd seen a dozen times. Yeah. So that was really cool to me. To like, right. Whoa. And then he did the coolest thing where the first time we hung out, he like pulled me aside and was like, hey, when I was starting out, like Chappelle pulled me aside and said, hey, you know, you're, I know you're new at this, but you're really good. Stick with wow. it. And he kind of said the same thing to me. And I was like, that means a lot. You know, yeah. I like when those kind of things happen and i'm sure this kid will never forget that because i love that you don't think that your place in the world has the esteem that i'm sure he thinks i mean i definitely don't (laughs) but uh uh, okay so i think a few are jay ryan himself Mm -hmm. uh dan black okay justin santora and ryan dugan and all those guys live in chicago wow and they're just hanging out all the time doing cool stuff. Yep. That means making prints. And all their stuff looks completely different. Completely. Mm-hmm. Dan Black and Justin Santora share a shop. And just being there is... Have you been there? Yeah. Oh, cool. Last year for Chicago Flats Doc. I'm going back in a month. Nice. Yeah. And you're going to make it a yearly habit to go to all the flat stocks? Yeah, the July is the flat stock in Chicago, which coincides with Pitchfork Music Festival, mm-hmm. which if you haven't seen the lineup for Pitchfork, it just looks like, let's make up 200 band names. <laughs> and we'll make some of them in a big font, some of them in a small font. Yeah. So you're not going because of the lineup? Are you going to go to the festival? Uh, the flat stock is inside of Pitchfork. Oh, nice. Which actually isn't nice because if you want to, if you're a poster fan and not a fan of, I don't know, Goombalots... <laughs> Real band or fake band? <laughs> right. I don't know. Or like ampersand dot 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 13. <laughs> or just like Rose Gold mm-hmm. Vanderbush. Yeah. Then you can't go to the flat stock. Yeah. Right. You have to pay the, you know, probably $12,000 it takes to get into Pitchfork. Yeah. So do you then look and find some bands that are going to be in that festival, figure out a clever way to have people strolling by and go, oh, hey, there's some posters that say that band's name. No. Can't do that? <laughs> I don't want to talk to those people. <laughs> <laughs> but what if it's a band you kind of like? You like zero I the bands? Dare, you don't know. It's not even like, I don't know yeah. any of those bands. Yeah, one time I, um, someone gave me a disc of this band, The Fiery Furnaces, mm-hmm. and I thought it was okay. I thought it sounded like two kids in a, a room in Brooklyn somewhere just b- plinking on instruments, but yep. it was pretty. Some of the songs I really liked. And, uh, but then there was this Pitchfork article that was the most glowing sort of like, I don't care if people, you know, come down on me for this. I have to say it. They're the best band that ever lived. Oh my God. It was just because like they fit all those aesthetics. They dressed weird. They had their, their album had all these, you know, foof. I don't want to say foofy. I hate when we use that word, but you know, like they were very like meticulous in when you open this packaging, it's really going to say a lot. Yeah. Which I like for the most part. I like when people put a lot of care into what they make, but it was it was that like very put a bird on it kind of thing. You bet. And it just synced up so perfectly with what I, with what I thought of as Pitchfork as this kind of like the art kid with the paint on his pants and two different shoes would be there. Yeah. The craft beer fan. Craft beer. Hey, don't you start just it. saying. Don't you dare. Hey, you're on one side of the wall or the other. <laughs> there is no wall, man. 
Mm. It's all the same. It's all the same. You can. You can. It's a beer aisle. It's not a beer circle. But you, you can. And then going back to the posters, you're saying all posters are the same. It's just a cost differential. But it's not, man. It's all. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be arguing for the side I'm arguing for. No, you shouldn't. You're, no. You live inside one side and you pretend that you're living in this other side. Yeah. It's unfair. It's it's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> How are you liking this mermaid's red? I really like it. Yeah, I like it too. Yeah. It's good. Got a little snap to it. Where'd you get it? Uh, the grocery store. Mm, but duh. I was in I was in uh, Coronado a while ago with my sister and um, my girlfriend and we tried to go by their brewery but they were it was and we had uh, our dog with us and they wouldn't let him in. So I almost got it directly from Your the dog, source. Mikey? <laughs> my old dog Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey's always breaking bottles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alexis and I and some pals went on a distillery tour downtown called Lost Spirits. Mm-hmm. Do you know of it? No. It's in like the warehouse district. You couldn't find it if you were standing out front. It's oh. just a door. Yeah. That's what I think of the cool LA stuff. Yeah. Well, this is very cool. How'd you hear about it? Uh, Alexis had known people who went on it and then mentioned it to me. And I was like, "Let." and it sells out really quick. Mm-hmm. They have a limited amount of tickets for tours limited amount of tours and limited amount of days a week and they sell out like months in advance good lord so we went uh i don't like whiskey Mm -hmm. and i was like maybe i like this stuff because it's unbelievably like rare and the thing is it's like six dudes it feels like the group from silicon valley Mm -hmm. uh and you meet like all of them on this tour the tour is unbelievable it's not just you walk into like a factory it's like Disney-fied. Mm-hmm. You literally go into a room that's dark. You sit in like a, a circle that's on like this plank and then it moves into another room. Wow. Like through these like, through like ivy and stuff. And you go from room to room in very odd ways. And it's their factory. They, they have a patent on the technology that ages beer in what would be, not beer, uh, whiskey, what would be, they can do six years of aging in two months or two weeks i've heard about this yeah so literally the second we saw it i like slowly raised my hand like how are you showing us this yeah and he's like we have a patent and he's like the second we got the patent we started the tours because <laughs> it's literally like you see these lights that we built like we can drop we can make whiskey in record time in this so we can also affect the quality and the batches in like an unprecedented way wow and you're always holding a different product of theirs and like sipping it as you go along mm-hmm. and i thought they were all i thought we were on a prank show <laughs> they were so gross and gnarly <laughs> and everyone and they would say like if you don't like this one you'll definitely like this one it's a jamaican rum or you're like like you'll definitely like this one it's got a lot of peat flavor and i'm like what's peat and they're like peat moss <laughs> and peat gravel and i'm like gross yeah. Why would I want anything to taste at all like that? <laughs> uh, yeah. And the moral of the story is, uh, it's a incredible, respectable process that and the the product tastes like hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I hate thinking that that's what I'm ever making. Because hey, comedy, anything you make is so subjective. Uh-huh. And then some people probably sip that whiskey and go, delightful. Everyone else. Everyone but me. Everyone like so it could be you're an outlier and you don't like whiskey and it just doesn't sync up with you. Right. I didn't think everyone was crazy. I was just like, I know that I don't like this stuff. Yeah. And I refuse to act like I do. Like I think all of you are. I watched. Um, there's so not too far from here. There's a movie theater that shows movies in Korean, but it'll have like American mm-hmm. subtitles. So great. And uh, we went there to watch a movie. And beforehand, they showed this thing of this guy who makes swords, but he was doing it with virtually no. In fact, no modern technology. Wow. It was like bellows and building clay giant, um, I keep wanting to call them cisterns, but you know, kilns? like where it kilns basically, where you'd heat it up and, and actually like create the smelt it right there, the yeah. metal, and then beat on that for a while. And it was does, incredible. Does he also do the distribution? He. Because, <sighs> you know, whoever smelt it dealt it. Oh, damn it. I walked right. <laughs> get out. <laughs> Dave has vaporized once again. <laughs> now that he's out of here, I should have made a disclaimer prior to starting that I do not care for puns. And Dave's all, you're always setting me up with them. You always ask a question, like, 
distribution. No, I don't think he sells them. <laughs> you bet. How dare you? Oh, you son of a bitch. Uh, anyway, just watching that be made, watching him make swords and like take a stone and <laughs> sharpen it so slowly. And then, but he was like, when my sword hits another sword that I make, you feel it rattle through your whole skeleton. It just vibrates through your whole body. Yeah. He goes, and when my sword meets other swords, they break in half. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, just love this guy so immensely. Yeah. And two, I didn't need any sort of knowledge going into it to recognize, like, that's amazing. Yeah. And you could watch people be a craftsperson or a tradesperson. It's something you're so foreign to and just be like, I love this. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. And I would guess people walking in to see you draw and then create the prints would have that same feeling. Whiskey's a little tougher because you're like, I can't really see it. But such a bummer. <laughs> I can't see. I've had so much whiskey. <laughs> but such a bummer if they see your print and it has the same effect on them as the whiskey did on you. That's it. Man, like, these guys were talking about that they were trying. The thing is, these guys at this Lost Spirits place were all unbelievably smart and all so good at what they do. And it was just blowing my mind. I was like, yo, shit, like pivot a little bit and cure cancer. <laughs> Cause they were like, like we tried this original rum from uh, the place that like invented Jamaican rum. And it was a specific bar. Wait, what was it? It was a specific drink. I think it was a Mai Tai. Mm-hmm. It was a Mai Tai. The first ever Mai Tai was made at this specific bar. The bar burned down. There was a case of them that was preserved. And they managed to find someone in the U.S. who has one of the bottles. And they said to him, if we can take a sample of it, we can recreate it in our lab. Mm -hmm. And the guy was like, no, you can't do that yet. Recreate this. And he like brought out a different old salvage bottle. And they took a bit of it and just like realized like, okay, it was kept in, made in this kind of wood. Like that's an American uh some kind of wood of a tree that went extinct in this time because like this happened to this. So we're going to find some furniture from that same area and try to see if we can get that wood. And they like, they bought a nightstand from that area that was made of the same wood. They like took the wood, replicated it and then recreated the bottle of whiskey. <laughs> and it's yeah, just like cancer, right? <laughs> you know? And I'm just sitting there like my knees throbbing. I'm like, I bet these guys could take care of this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, God, that is frustrating. But aren't we all doing that? I mean, the time you spend, and it's a, it's your job, it's your career drawing, but anything we are doing that was not going into, uh, I always bring up that Robin Williams quote in Good uh, Dead Poet Society. What? I always butcher it, but it's essentially like law, engineering, et cetera, et cetera. These are all noble professions and worthwhile to the cause of life. But romance, beauty, poetry, art, love, these are the things we stay alive for. And just that like, yeah, it's, you know, you can feel guilty that you're not curing cancer or that you're not uh, whatever it might be that's more productive and you can define productive in any number of ways, but that it's like, is this really bettering society? And some people go, we, don't, we have no time for art. We need mm. this. We need new roads. You, you could have right. dug a ditch in the time you blah, blah, blah drew that or screened that or whatever and you go what this has value this yeah. uh, you know someone's gonna put this on their wall it's gonna make their day better it's gonna make their mood better it's gonna make them more productive at what they do etc i i uh so I, I i'm not too hard on them for not curing cancer <laughs> i think maybe they should set some goals like let's get rich off this in 20 years and then cure cancer <laughs> if it's still around yeah I, yeah if they can do it i don't know child blindness yeah how do they all meet each other and have those conversations and go, you go first. No, let's say it at the same time. I want to make whiskey. Oh, I, thought uh, I, th- I remember I asked that same question and it was, they, a few of them were chemists and they like had a whiskey appreciation. And I think that they like recruited dudes from around the country to start this thing. And they got like crazy seed funding. Hmm. And it's, Sounds like they try to make their factory kind of like Willy Wonka, you know, going room to room in weird ways and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, literally, their factory is in what I thought was an. I'm pretty sure it's an old punk venue mm. because you walk in and they're like, "Watch the step," and you're clearly walking off a stage. Oh, I wonder what that's about. 
wonder why so many things in LA have to be that way of like, you know, there's the one that you walk in and then you go into the closet, but then the closet is actually the entrance to the speakeasy bar or the blind barber is you, Hey, they actually cut hair and then you walk through and go to the back and then there's a bar. I mean, I guess those happen everywhere. What else do you talk about with a bar? They have beer there. You know? Yeah, but so like art pop-up shows, I think a lot of those around here. Whenever I'm driving around in a nondescript area and I see a group of people standing there, I'm like, damn it, that's probably a cool thing that I'll never know about. That's an L.A. thing, though. Yeah, very much so. But this whiskey thing sounds like kind of like the pinnacle of it. I mean, the thing is, I would recommend it to anyone because the science is amazing. Yeah, that is pretty cool. All right, you're going to have to tell me about it. I <laughs> If you don't like whiskey, you're not going to get the full enjoyment. You'll like get as whiskey. much as I did. No, oh, I then like you're going to love and it. And I like, I like scotch. Do they make scotch? I don't know. Oh. I was, I was the first person like 10 feet in. I was like, what's the difference between all these things? <laughs> and why do some people not like this, that, and the other? Are they actually different? Yeah. And wait. they gave me a real answer. And you were It's where the sugar is derived from. Oh. So you could, you could fill us all in right now on how whiskey's made. No, that was it. That's all I remember. Okay. And I can tell you, I, all I wrote down was ask these dudes <laughs> on my, in my brain of if anyone asks you about whiskey. Uh, it's a worthwhile tour. Uh-huh. 100%. And you don't feel, I mean, obviously we, they had a little bit of pretension in the way they went about things, but they're proud of it. What's the difference there between them being like, hey, we're proud and we want to show it off in a unique, silly way. Like, would you, would you feel weird doing that? I mean, it's their livelihood. So it's yours too, like drawing, screen printing. I mean, I've seen the clockumentary, and that goes that through your process a little bit. That was uncomfortable for me. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. Most of my work, the work that sells, is because it's got a band name on it. They do all the selling of it. No, that's not true. I mean, you know, like, I do do posters for bands I don't listen to. Mm-hmm. And out there, they're like, come buy this print. And it's like, I have to bank on their fans respecting the band enough to be like, okay. Yeah. I'll buy that print. Do you ever toy with it? Test it? Just make a print that has nothing of advertising value to it? Sometimes I'll design the band name disassociated from the image Mm -hmm. so that I can do a run of art prints, as they'd call it. They never sell. (laughs) I'll be like really proud of the image. and I'll be like, well, they don't need the words, you know, reggae band on this. I'll print it without that. It never sells. Hmm. Does that hurt your feelings? No. But, but you keep trying it? Yeah. Do you have a collection of those that you keep? And like, the people are wrong. These are the actual... A collection I keep? You yeah. mean the posters that haven't sold? Yeah. 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 I, I don't throw them away. <laughs> I don't. You can see my little pile behind you there. I can't bring myself to throw them away. Right. But one day I'm going to go burn them. Wild. Yeah. I feel like you have to. Get, I don't... Because why am I keeping them? In the hopes that someday some, they'll have some value or someone will want talking them? talking to the wrong guy. I keep all my stuff too. But you're, there must be some inherent thought to that. that Like, these will at some point have value. Uh, I don't know if it's value because they definitely have value to us. Mm-hmm. I made it. Done. Yeah. There's no dollar amount. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that... Uh, I don't know. I always... I mean, because I I'm like... I will go do a tour or something and think if I sell X amount per, per city, I'll need this many posters. Better make 10 more than that. <laughs> then I come home with 80% of what I started out right. with. Like, you idiot. Why? Yeah. Did? Cause most of the time I forget to mention it. I get off stage and people come over and they look over things and i and even if they say like, what's this? I go, it's a screen print. I feel so uncomfortable saying I drew it and, and screened it and did all the stuff. Yep. Isn't that, doesn't that have some value to you? <laughs> because when they say no, you're like, oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It feels so stupid. So then it's just the most counterproductive thing ever to just make, maybe they'll guess, maybe they'll guess that I did it. Well, I'll just be standing here. Yeah. I had someone once I was selling posters and I was holding the posters up and someone said, I'll take one. So I lowered him down, handed him one, and then they just walked away. <laughs> and then I caught up with them. I was like, those aren't free. And they were like, oh, why? <laughs> <laughs> and I explained it. And they're like, okay. And they bought it. 
I saw that happen on the Third Street Promenade one time with one of the hip hop guys. Uh-huh. He goes like tries to put headphones on your head. You bet. Or and his move with these guys, it was like three young Asian dudes walking along, mm-hmm. and the guy stepped in front of them and goes, "Here, take this." But then before he could put the headphones on, the guy just grabbed it and nonchalantly just kept walking like, "Okay, thanks." And just so then the dude had to. So I saw him. Now I'm behind them and I see the guy kind of puzzled look on his face, holding his little Walkman with headphones like wait a second so then he races around and gets back in front of them and goes that wasn't for free and just as casually the Asian guy who took it goes okay and just hands it back never broke stride just kept walking and yeah. I was I thought there's something so sweet about that that how one how bad the guy was as a salesman yeah. two how the other guy could not have cared got something for free alright got it taken away don't care Yeah, that's most of the commodities that artists are dealing with like trying to, how can I spin it and convince someone that if I put it in their hand, it is good? And luckily, I guess with Instagram and stuff like that, people are able to see it and just go, oh, I love this. You don't have to, they would feel like if you were the person doing that, they would, or they hear the story of you reaching down to someone, they go, what, Dave Glock handed you a thing and you just walked, oh my <laughs> God, you should have sprinted out of there, which is how I feel. Yeah. I think that's the, the case. And you have to kind of feel that about yourself to a certain degree, but you you can't. You can't. Yeah. You can only think about that yourself until you get anyone's opinion. <laughs> you can, the whole time you can be like, I'm a genius. Look at this. I'm drawing this. I'm a genius. It's looking just like I wanted to. Oh, I'm printing it. It's looking just like I wanted to. Oh my God. I'm making so many of these prints. These are going to sell. And someone walks up. You want one? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I'm worthless. I've wasted my entire life. <laughs> Everything I've done has led up to this. And, uh, I tried to make the clothes and no. Man, the, uh, the hours and hours and hours that go into making swords, making art prints, making stand-up jokes, making songs, anything. I, I think that's why I was always so opposed to Last Comic Standing. People just show up. I think I'm funny and just try it. Obviously, they would never go anywhere. But the fact that they thought that could happen, it'd be like the equivalent of, yeah, I think I can screen print and never having, or just being like, I sketched a little bit as a kid. Yeah. I can probably do all these steps. But how pumped would you be if you heard that someone walked onto a football team? Oh, phenomenally bumped. But that would mean that they would have had to have had some familiarity with catching it, with being in shape. Right. Just the, just the tiniest little metrics involved in having a baseline of, okay, you're you're competent to do this. I'm pretty sure rookie of the year, the guy just broke his arm and could pitch really well. Yeah. Funky but loving. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to take a quick little break, maybe refresh our beers and sure. continue? I could tinkle. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you like Dave as much as I do. And hope you come back next week and listen to part two as we get further into that discussion and, and the notion and the nature of art and habits. And, and um, I know a lot of people struggle with that, especially if you're pursuing art or something that you enjoy. Sometimes it's, uh, it's a little difficult to have the, the drive or the, or the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When you can kind of sit down and have the discipline to make yourself do the thing that you know you like. I think everyone struggles with that. Like, oh, I like being in shape. Hate working out. Hate doing the things that it takes. I like having read books. I don't like cracking them open, whatever that might be. Dave offers some really, um, I think, not only just helpful, but helpful in a way. I don't even think it's advice. Just some insight into his process and, and the little channels and blocks that he uh, opens up. It's, I don't know. I don't want to bill it too, too much, but, um, or build it up, I should say, but he's, uh, I don't know. I just like his process. I think he's worked around just very naturally. A lot of the things that, um, so many people I talk to struggle with and found a way to turn a lot of those into, into things that help him. So anyway, Dave's the best. Hope you, hope you enjoyed that. That beer is good. If you haven't had the Coronado red Amber, it's fantastic. Thanks for supporting the show. If you want to rate or subscribe, that's great. Get in touch about guests or beer ideas or music su- suggestions. Boy, I really stumbled, stumbled over that. Stumbled. I stumbled over that. If you want to get in touch with music or beer suggestions or guests, pings at thespacecave.com, space underscore cave on Twitter, and you can be a Patreon member if you'd like. Pay a little extra per month and get access to bonus episodes and material. If you're um, wanting to support the show in any number of ways, I'm sure you can find out there. And a few screen prints that I did. Not nearly as detailed or as um, crisp as Dave's, but but they're okay. There are a few posters, 
at thespacecave.com, as well as totes and t-shirts. Anyway, let's get out of here. This is some music from Sudan Archives, who I think is going to be a big deal pretty soon. She's great. And this song is called Not For Sale. Thanks for stopping by the Space Cave. You only call me When you need something I need to be free Time to spread my wings I don't like leeches All that nonsense gonna get back with ya Don't got time for snitches You're pulling me down Thought you was my sister My strings propagate through space and time Here and there at the same time And it mentions in basic rhyme You ain't gotta be mad Look deep and go higher when you climb But stay out of my path But stay out of my flight path Never feeling lonely, only gliding, flying Always being constantly reminded Time is running up, don't wish your luck Sucker, this is my life, don't mix that up This is my life, don't block the sun This is my seat, can't you tell This is my time, don't waste it up This is my land, not for sale